You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. This little section here is actually so fitting for uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, Let me read it for us. Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. It says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is the word of God. Amen. Well, let's pray one more time, then you can grab a seat. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for who you are, what you have done, uh, that we might be able to come and worship you this morning, the great high priest. And so I just pray as we walk through this text this morning that we will grab hold of the truths of the scripture, that we will practice it daily, that we might become mature as even this text talks about. And so I pray, Jesus, that you will help us, that you will change our heart, that you'll transform us from one day to the next, one moment of glory to the next moment of glory, that you'll sanctify us with your word now this morning. Uh, Change us as we walk out this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can grab a seat. Well, this is or New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, it's amazing how fast it's come upon us. Amen? Yes? It's, it's incredible. It's December 31st today. Unbelievable. So let's talk for a moment. All right? Let's talk for a moment. Uh, shake out the cobwebs. You're allowed to speak in church. All right? So what is the greatest warning that you've ever received? Whether it be a kid or adulthood, what is the greatest warning you've ever received? Red light camera head. That is a great warning. I guarantee you the kids will never say that. All right? So guaranteed, it changes, right? What other warnings have you received in the, in the world, in your life? Be home on time tonight. I'm sorry? Be home on time tonight. Yes, that is a good warning from maybe from a wife, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny, thank you, Johnny, for being open and honest with us. <laughs> Yeah, other warnings that maybe you've received through your years. Don't take the COVID jab. jab. That is one that has been around. Or was that the one you said? Yeah, Yeah, there's another warning, right? There's different warnings. Or go and take the COVID, right? Go and take the COVID jab. There's all kinds of warnings through life. When you think about it, all these, even these three that we've expressed today, there's always something towards our harm. Like there's something towards safety for us. Anytime you hear a warning, like the kids, I'm sure, would have said, don't run with scissors. Or maybe when you're carving a piece of wood, carve, push outward, not inward, right? Like there's all kinds of different warnings that we get, but most of them are about us, our safety. Well, I'm not sure, many of you are visitors here, but I'm not sure if you remember that back when I started this book, this, this amazing letter to the Hebrew church, I actually didn't start with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I actually started with Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22. It's almost one of the last verses in the letter. And it's not on the screen, but that, that little verse says, this is a writing of exhortation. This is a letter of exhortation. This is a strong encouragement for you. This is maybe a warning to you. 
And so this is what we're in. This is the text of Scripture that we're in. It's a strong warning. One of those warnings that maybe, maybe you've heard through your life that we need to heed, that we need to take care of because it's a, it's a warning for your safety. And so this is how I started this amazing book. And, and, and it's a warning of sorts and maybe a warning that I've actually shared with the kids. I didn't do it this morning because I was going to do it with you. But maybe you've listened as I've shared with the kids, and I've also shared it with you multiple times. Five applications. Listen, surrender to what you've listened to, confess the brokenness in your heart, receive the goodness of Jesus Christ, and abide in Him. Listen, surrender, confess, receive, and abide. Those warnings are actually throughout the text of Scripture, in specifically Hebrews. And again, it's no different today. I'm actually going to give you the, the main point today, and then you can actually probably get up and walk out if you want. Like, it's no harm on me, no foul. But it's like, it's a little, little equation, all right? Listen plus practice equals maturity. Listen plus practice equals maturity. And that's what we're going to cover this morning really quickly, and then eat some pancakes and bacon, which... That's a great finish to any sermon. So here's the outline for us. It's really simple. Deaf, immature, mature. And you can see that in the, what verses I gathered those from. But we're going to unpack these verses one at a time and then go after it together. All right, so look, let's look at the first one there, deaf. And I've chunked this verse out. You can see it on the screen, maybe online. You might, be a, might look a little bit different, but I've chunked the verse up in a little bit. The transition words sometimes are, are helpful when you chunk it like this. And let me read it for you in this way. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. See, now this verse is actually quite easy to understand. What are you saying when you start chunking this word or this verse up? About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So let's tackle this verse, these main points that have popped out. The about this. Those first two words are like a therefore. What is the therefore therefore? Well, it's to point back, right? So about this is the, very ne- the, ver- the verse right before this, verse 10. Whereas Jesus is the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's the eternal one. He's the one that has no beginning and no end. He's the one that has passed through the heavens for us. He's gone through the heavens, entered into the realm of death for us, put flesh and blood on for us. He is the obedient, faithful son of God. The exact imprint. This is what we've learned. This is what Hebrews, up until now, we've we've talked about in our sermons study through the book of Hebrews. And this about this is pointing back. It's pointing back. Don't forget Jesus. He's the main point now, today, past, and the the future. This is about Jesus. So there is much to say about this, about Jesus. These are just some of the ways the author has described Jesus through the book of Hebrews. But there's also endless supply of evidence that Jesus, about Jesus throughout the scripture. Like one of my favorite uh, verses is actually right at the end of the book of John, the gospel of John. It actually says this, it's on the screen. John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written... 
I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that verse. There's so much. There's, there's much to say about this. Right? And there's other texts of Scripture as well that talk about this. But let's move on to the next section there. The, the, about this. There's, there's plenty. There's a vast knowledge about Jesus in our world today. But not only is there much to say, but it is hard to explain. Why is it hard to explain? Why is this hard thing to talk about when there's such a vast, vast information about Jesus? And, and there's a, much to say, but yet, why is it hard to explain? Well, the Bible says this, this is a mystery. It's hard to explain because it's a mystery. And the Bible talks about this mystery multiple places. I want to give you two. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8, it says it this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Now that sentence is, sometimes we read way too fast. But have this mind that is yours in Christ. Jesus does something to your mind. He transforms your mind to understand this mystery. Let's keep reading. So who, though he was in the form of God, that's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the exact imprint of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It was a mystery. Why? Because your mind wasn't in Christ. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there's some blockage here. The transformation of the mind has not taken place yet. This is why it's a mystery. And again, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 and 26, the author here, Paul, is saying the same thing. I, Paul, became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. So he's been given this mystery. He's, he's, been, given, he's been enlightened to what is being talked about. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. It's revealed to those who are in Christ. See, this mystery that God became flesh, that his life, death, and resurrection would cover the sins of those who believe upon him, has now been revealed to those who have been transformed. It is now something that the saints, those who have ears to hear, can understand and abide in. But yet it is hard to explain. Why? Well, that's the third word, that, that word since in verse 11. That could also be translated as because. So we are about to discover why the gospel is hard to explain. It is hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. And that, that sometimes is a hard one to hear. Like, no, but I've listened. I, I understand what you're saying. No, you're not transformed yet. This is still a mystery to you. You've become dull of hearing because if you've heard it, if you understood it, and you truly understand what is being said and your mind is being transformed, you would give your entire life to this. Entire life to this. See, in other, the author is saying you have become dull of hearing. In other words, the author is saying that those reading this exhortation have become deaf. This is actually an exhortation, a strong encouragement all throughout the Bible. Jesus himself actually explains this in Matthew chapter 13 to his disciples. In Matthew 13, 10 through 15, when his disciples asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? 
It's a good question. Like, why do you use all these weird stories to try and tell the story of you? And Jesus answers them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. There's the transformed mind. But to them it has not been given. Then Jesus quotes a prophecy from Isaiah saying, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, there's our word, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. See, as we study this amazing letter, we actually don't have to go outside of it to discover what is going on here, what, what this author means by your ears have become dull. You can actually go back to just a chapter and the beginning of chapter, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 and verse 6, it says this, it's on the screen. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. Like this is Jesus' rest. He's offering you rest in him when you believe upon him for salvation. And it still stands. It is there for any who would believe upon Jesus. Then it says, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Let us fear. Let's be concerned over this. For good news came to us, just as to them, just as to those prophets of old. It has come to us. But the message those prophets of old, they heard, did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And then skip to verse 6. It says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. See, the gospel is the word of God and is the best, way, best news for all those who listen and surrender. Just the very things that I've been saying to the kids over and over again. Listen, surrender, confess your sin, receive the goodness of Jesus and abide in him. And I, I would challenge all of us as well. If you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you trust me? Just for a moment. That this is his word. That this transformed my life. Would you believe me on this? Just as Paul is saying, just as the other prophets were saying, just as all those before me have been talking about trust in Jesus. See, in summary, in verse 11, there's much to say about Jesus. There's a vast evidence of who Jesus is. But it's hard to explain because there are those who are dull of hearing because of disobedience. And we could probably include there are many that don't want to hear. That don't want to hear. So a few things to leave you with verse 11. To those that are having trouble believing in Jesus, what's holding you back? I asked this question last week as well. What's holding you back? And we need to ask this question regularly. It shouldn't be a one time and then never ask this question of yourself again. It should be regularly. Again, what is holding you back? And when you answer, well, it's holding me back because I want fill in the blank. When you can get yourself to start answering with actual truth from your heart and saying, I want this, you begin to start seeing that your wants are superseding God's wants. And if you aren't broken over your sin, you will not cry out to Jesus. 
to the cry ought to be, I want Jesus. I want this coming Savior. I want this one who has, tre- or has passed through the heavens that put flesh and blood on to pay for my sin. I recognize really quickly that I am a sinner. I need someone to save me, and it can't be myself. So maybe this Jesus, this one that has been prophesied for, or prophesied about, is the one. So to those that have heard, maybe, and understand the mystery of Jesus as God and man, may we be a faithful church. May we be faithful people. May we be ones that go out into all the nations and begin to proclaim. This is, the, this is what we are called actually to do, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. It's actually everywhere in Scripture. We have no excuse to believe upon Jesus and then do nothing. There is, there is no option there. It is believe upon Jesus and then go. Go be disciple makers. So even if we believe upon Jesus and then do nothing, maybe, maybe we are dull of hearing. Maybe we haven't heard the obedient call to go and to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. So may we, church, be faithful servants to our King this coming year. Let's awaken the deaf. Let's be excited about sharing this amazing good news of Jesus Christ. This news that's transformed our lives. And maybe it'll just transform the life of the person in front of you. Let's move to verse 12 and 13. This is the immature. So we have the deaf and the deaf and the immature. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. So again, I've chunked this verse up for us, and there's a lot in here. And I'll unpack it a little bit more, but let's, let's talk about this. Many of you know I have coached, uh, I'm coaching my daughter actually in basketball right now, but I've been coaching now probably since I was in grade 11. I've been coaching for a long time, and I've actually been playing sports for a long time as well, probably since I was, could pick up a ball. I was playing sports, pro- probably organized sports by the age of five. So I've been playing sports for a long time. I've been coaching a long time. And what, what, what it comes with, when you, see, when you see three aspects of an individual on your team or, or maybe as you coach a player, you see three things. And this can go really with any sport. If you see dedication, if you see uh, discipline, and you see drive, you, you know you have someone special on your team. Dedication, discipline, and drive. No matter the skill level, the dedication, discipline, and drive changes everything. And the same goes for our Christian walk. The same goes. See, the immature, in the, the immature doesn't have discipline. The immature doesn't have dedication. The immature doesn't have drive. The author in verse 12 is saying, there has been enough time for you there has been enough time for you to be a teacher. Not a pastor or a shepherd or, or an overseer. This is called teacher. Can you sit down with someone and unpack the stories of Jesus? Can you teach it? Can you unpack the timeline from Genesis through Revelation? Can you unpack the timeline of the story of God? Do you know the basic principles of the oracles of God? Or are we unskilled in the word of righteousness? Are we still babies when it comes to our faith and obedience towards Jesus? 
So you think we all could answer in some way or another yes to those questions. Based on a verse that we actually covered a couple weeks ago. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharp. Right? It's piercing. It's discerning the soul. So th- this is like a scalpel. This, this word is like a scalpel. It cuts deep and, and it moves you and it, it's there to heal you, to restore you, to redeem you, to, to bring life into your soul. But it is the immature in this text, the deaf, those that are unbelieving, disobedient to the vast amounts of evidence floating around us constantly, those in the midst of the church needing to be taught again and again and again the same thing over and over again. They still are on the milk. Not that the milk is bad. The milk is actually really good. But it's awkward when you're 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 still drinking milk. It doesn't make sense. There's a call to sanctification here in this text. There's a call to movement. Is there dedication? Is there discipline? Is there a drive to be better for your king? Not to stay complacent in where you are, but be a teacher. Go and make disciples of all nations. Last week, I talked about two people that I highly respect. I talked about my wife, Jody, and a man named Jack Summerfield. This man is like my mentor. He's, he's in his late 80s, and he gives most of his day, most of his day, to sharing the good news of Jesus in coffee shops. He's using his time wisely. Like he he has so impacted me that I want to do what he wants to do. Like I want to follow him. That, That is a true, you know he's discipling when you want to follow him. And that's what we all are called to be. Disciple makers. To strive for Jesus. And Jack's not knowing this. He's just looking at Jesus constantly. He's got a whole bunch of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and me being 50 following him as he's just following the words of God. I want to live my life like that. I want to sit in coffee shops with people and just tell them about Jesus. Are you a teacher? Can you teach the oracles of God? The words of righteousness? This is what this text is calling us to. This is the strong exhortation to the Hebrew church, and I really believe it's for us as well. I really believe it's for us as well. You guys ever been to a grade nine dance? Like, that's a transition and a half right there, right? Ever been to grade, grade nine dance is like no one's in the middle, everybody's on the outside, like hugging the wall as close as you could possibly hold. There might be like three or four people out there, and usually it's all guys dancing together, or it's all girls dancing together. But it's like usually your back is on the wall, and it's like, I'm not going out there, I'm not going out there, I'm not going out there. Do we want to be the grade nine introverted kid? Do we want to be like that for the rest of our lives? Or do we want to enter the dance? And my challenge to you is let's, let's enter the dance. Let's jump in. Let's get excited about what Jesus has done. This is about this. There's so much to talk about. But it's hard to explain because you've become dull. Let's go back to that verses 12 to 13. 
Look at how sweet this is. It's for though by this time, anytime you hear time, it's a timestamp. This is today. For though by today, by today, you ought to be teachers. Maybe some of you, and I think many of you, have been in the church for a long time. Let's just say 15 years. That's, you're a teenager. Maybe you've been here for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You're now an adult. We ought to be eating solid food and not being taught again and again and again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You are still needing milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled, let me switch this, in the solid food. That's the solid food right there. The word of righteousness. Since he is a child. This is the immature. In church, the challenge, the exhortation, the strong encouragement for you and for all of us, and I believe for the Hebrew church here, is let's get mature. Let's start teaching the word of God. This leads us to our final point, verse 14, the mature. Again, I've chunked this verse, but solid food is for the mature. The solid food, the word of righteousness, this is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, the deaf ears come from being dull, disobedient, or unbelief. Like disobedience comes, we saw that through the other text of Scripture that I brought up. And we see unbelief. We see this dullness happen. Maybe we can actually look back in our own lives, maybe even just presently look at our own lives and go, you know what, maybe I have become dull. Or maybe you're going, Jer, how do, you, how do you even say this? I'm just going to ignore you. Maybe that's a sign of your dull state right now. See, from not having a, des- a desire to learn, from complacency, from seeking contentment in something other than Jesus, like I've said, from wanting your wants over what God wants. You, you place yourself over here. I want this. I want this. I want this. You do the hard work of your heart and you start seeing, I want, I want, I want. And you start realizing by God's grace that you've put your desires over his. He wants us to abide in him. He wants us to be children, faithful, obedient, God-fearing children to go and make disciples. Well, I want this. You're becoming dull. See, on the other hand, the mature gain maturity, and you see this in the text, by constant practice. By constant practice. This is the listen, surrender, confess your failure, your dullness, and receive the word of God and abide in him. The practice. And this constant practice leads to two things in our text, discernment and the ability to distinguish between good and evil. So let's look at these two. Discernment comes with experience, right? Oftentimes, uh, with things in this world, you, you, you won't just figure it out. The, need, the constant practice needs to take place. Like we went as a church, we went skating the other day. I could tell there are some that have not constantly been practicing skating, Right, like you can tell right away when their when their feet are in like this and and you, and they're falling, 
all the time, you can tell that's probably not someone that's practiced skating. Or when you go on a ski hill, like in the winter, if we had snow right now in British Columbia, you'd go on the ski hill and you could tell the snow plow, probably not a constant practicer of skiing, right? You can tell this right away, especially on these two sports, these two activities. And again, the same goes for reading and applying the scripture. It's such a picture for us. So you might discover truths of the scripture, but they will fake, they will take some time to put to practice and fulfill in your life. It's going to take some time. But the constant practice is what we're called to. The daily reading, the daily studying, the daily hearing of the word preached to you, the daily memorization of the word of God, the daily meditation. So we've got this discipleship book that I've used uh, for years now. But it has the hand as an example, and it's read the Word of God. But don't just read the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. Because if you just read it, eventually it's going to fall away. If you hear the Word of God, but don't meditate on it, eventually it's going to fall away. If you study the Word of God, as you know, eventually it will fall away from you if you don't meditate on it. And if you memorize the Word of God, plant it in your heart, but don't meditate on it eventually will fall away. We need to meditate on the words of God daily. It's a constant practice. And this is the case. This is the mature. See, this is also the case with distinguishing good from evil. So we have discernment in the constant practice. We also, with constant practice, we will be able to distinguish good from evil. And the more you practice, the better you will get at this. You, you can see this in those around you and maybe even yourself, right? Maybe the jokes you tell. They're not as crude as when you were maybe a teenager. You've st- you started realizing, you know what, like maybe I shouldn't say this. Or the language you use. Or even the clothes you wear, right? Like in our culture, the clothes you wear oftentimes go, oh, wow, you look really mature right now. You look so grown up. Right? For me, if I wore shorts every single Sunday and a t-shirt, you'd probably go, hmm, that guy's not really trying. But when I wear something nicer, it's like, wow, you look really good. You look mature. You might actually know what you're talking about. Right? You guys have all thought this, Right? Like when someone's dressed in, a, in shorts and a, a raggedy t- t-shirt, you're going, probably not going to listen to all the advice this guy's going to give me. Right? It just happens. It's in our culture. So even just maturity is even in the clothes you wear. But you're not here to impress one another. You're here to do it for the Lord. I want to speak as if I'm speaking to the Lord all the time. I want to I dress, I want to tell jokes as if I'm telling it to the Lord. I want to dress as if I want to impress Jesus Christ, my heavenly Savior. I want to follow Him. Like I was saying to Bo Jack, I want to follow Jesus and what He's telling me. And then there's a really great verse, and it's on the screen. It's a little bit, five verses. And it's in Ephesians chapter 5, and it hits this nail on. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Follow, follow Him as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up 
for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is how we are to walk. Walk in love just the way Jesus loved us. Give himself up for us, just like how we are to give ourselves up for others. Then it gives us some examples. It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not, I want, I want, I want, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead... Let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. This again is a strong exhortation from a loving God. He loves every one of you. And the symbol of the cross on the stage is a sign of it, that he died for you. He wants the best for you. As we all want the best for ourselves at times, we want the best for you as well. See, we're called to live different as followers of Jesus. To be in constant practice that we might be able to discern, that we might be able to distinguish good from evil. Kent Hughes uh, talks about this. He's an author and a pastor. He said it this way. The great scandal of today's church is Christians without Christian minds. I thought that was such a great quote. The great scandal of today's church is Christians without Christian minds. See, the mind is not changing. The mind is not seeing or distinguishing good from evil. The mind is not hearing the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Rather, the mind is listening to the flesh, justifying actions. And isn't that us? Like I was thinking about this quote even this this week. And how many times this week I'm like, I want to do this. I want to constantly practice Jesus. And my mind is going, just do this. My evil heart is going, don't you want this? Like, you've done so much hard work over here. Why don't you just have some freedom here for a moment? Like, am I the only one that hears that? Like, I hear that all the time. Just this flesh is calling out my name. Just look at me. Look at this. Don't you, like, don't you want this? It will give you great comfort. Am I the only one? The great scandal of today's church is Christians without Christian minds. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit to distinguish, to constantly practice the Word of God. And then Ken Hughes again says this, only the mature, those who understand the teaching about righteousness and who practice it will be able to make discerning judgment on the continual moral issues that that arise in life. And man, those moral issues are attacking us daily, aren't they? So how does this text help us as we start another year tomorrow? Well, there's much to talk about when it comes to Jesus as our great high priest. It is actually Jesus in our text that is speaking to us now. We see that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It is Jesus that is speaking. So let us then not become dull, but rather become teachers and disciple makers of the oracles of God. Let's feed on solid food. Let's be skilled in the word of righteousness. Let us, church, be mature with constant practice 
that we might be able to discern, that we might be able to distinguish good from evil. Not only for ourselves, but for one another, that we might be able to help one another in this, all for the sake of God's kingdom, that on God's return, he might say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You were listening to what I was saying to you. Your ears were open to my words. Well done. May this year be different for each one of us as we listen, as we practice, and as we become mature in him. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much again for all that you have done for us. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for your amazing sacrifice. While we were still sinners, that you came and died for us, Thank you for that. Thank you for opening our our hearts and our minds to the mystery of the gospel. That we will not be dull to it, but that we will hear it and practice it and listen to it. And that we will do constant practice that we might be able to discern what it is saying. That we will battle against the flesh. That this coming year, Lord, that we will honor you as children and as servants that we will fulfill the task that you've given us to go out into all the nations and, and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing the promises that you will be with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all your promises and that we can come to you in faith with a believing heart and you will save us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.